Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and I am joined by my good friend, Aram in Toronto. What up, Aram? Hello, I'm here. It's nice to be back, and I'm excited for Warriors basketball. <laughs> you know what was crazy? I was looking up a uh, schedule for my kids, uh, like my kids' school schedule, and it follows the Warriors schedule too. Well, well, in yes, in that it you know starts in the fall of one year and then it ends the next year. And I think I'm still in pandemic time warp, and I just realized that next year is 2022. <laughs> so uh, that that uh, that weirded me out a little bit. But uh, I'm super excited about this season. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they are. Zero and zero after a five and zero preseason, undefeated, undefeated. Yes, preseason that doesn't mean anything, but now it's all equal. So now I guess this is our uh, Golden State Warriors season preview. So we get to imagine what the season might be like in our grandest and our most realistic expectations. Are you ready? I am. And let's just say we don't need to talk about worst case scenario because we don't want to jinx things. And we already know what worst case scenario looks and feels like. So we don't need to go there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worst case scenario was the last two years. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) well, especially, yeah, especially the the two years ago, right? Yes. Yes. The the broken hand season. Although, I mean, you know, last year felt kind of more like a purgatory. So that's, that's pretty bad too. You know, we're working our way out of (laughs) it. Anyway, okay. So, Aram, I'm going to ask you what are your hopes and dreams for the Warriors this year? And where do you think they will land in the Western Conference this year? Okay. So, uh, let's start with the kind of hope and dream pick, and everything falls into place. Clay comes back, returns to his close to his former self. I don't think we're, uh, oh, wow, I'm already going into realistic here. But uh, let's (laughs) let's say we get 2019 finals clay. Okay, let's let's stick with the hopes and dreams. Then, (laughs) you know, then that's something where they probably do all right in the first half of the season. And then then just this like turbo boost in the second half of the season. And you could see them really uh, ramping into the playoffs with clay. And in a fully integrated Wiseman, rookies are contributing on the fringes. All the veterans stay healthy. I mean, that has got to be a top three seed, I think. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, Steph having an MVP season again, you know, uh, MVP worthy season. I think that to- sounds totally reasonable for a hope and dream. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I mean, hopes and dreams. They obviously start, as you said, with like health, right? We've seen over the course of the last couple of years that that's just the reality of professional sports, especially last season. I remember at the start of last season when the Bucks so desperate to keep Giannis, Coach Bud was on the hot seat. They traded for Drew Holiday, who's an excellent player, but I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, he's not putting them over the top. But guess what? They were the healthiest team at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they almost weren't if it weren't for. Giannis's amazing ability to come back from that hyperextended knee. Oh, yeah. But health is where it starts. And if you have health and all the Warriors vets, you know, kind of stay healthy and Clay comes back decently, then, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, this, this roster, the construction of it, I think is actually pretty, pretty good. People fit in their slots and there's talent at every position on the roster. It's so much deeper than it was last year and the year before uh you know having having veterans who know the system they've been able to plug into the system so seamlessly and it just feels like things are working and you know to the point where you know i i listened to uh you and vubang talk about kind of ranking the depth of the roster and uh sorry vubang what's up with the jta hate i don't know you put him <laughs> down in like 12 what's up with that um, I love JTA and still at the same time, both you and, and Vu Bang had a good point is that, you know, JTA was probably the end of their season last year, probably their sixth best player, seventh best player. And now he's arguably, I think both of you ranked him, you know, between 10 and 12. 
right? Yeah. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, and he'll still contribute. I think he they're showing that they're going to play small and, and he's shown that he can be a part of that. So he'll just plug in. So that's a, that's a really nice feeling to have dudes who know what they're doing. Because, you know, we saw it so many times where um, Trey, Draymond and Steph were just kind of like, get out of the corner, like keep moving. <laughs> Draymond at the top of the key, holding the ball, just like waving people around, like praying for people to go to the right place. And we're not just talking about Ubre, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think last week I mentioned Kelly Ubre in not such positive lights, <laughs> like several times as somebody who is like the opposite of what we're seeing on the Warriors roster right now in terms of movement and moving the ball and just playing with a high basketball IQ. Yeah, we had so many hopes and dreams for Kelly Oubre Jr. as well. You know, that's what being a fan is about. It's having faith, uh, uh, but clearly it doesn't always get rewarded. So that's the thing too is, you know, it's likely not that these hopes and dreams will come true. So, So where do you think realistically if you were to crystal ball this, where do you think realistically they're going to land? Because we've said hopes and dreams is like, you know, two or three, one, two or three. I don't think there would be one, but. I think realistically speaking, I would put them, I think in the summertime we talked, this was after the draft and after free agency. And I put them, I think at the two spot and that might've been over enthusiasm at that point. But realistically, we were pretty excited after the draft. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and after getting Iguodala back, yeah, I think when I take into account, okay, realistically speaking, I look at the Warriors roster and like there's tons of variables, right? More so than any other season that the Warriors have been hopeful contenders. And so Clay, huge variable. So if he's not 85%, what if he's 70%? Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not bad. That's a guy who can shoot threes coming off screens. Yeah, it's Kyle Korver, right? Yeah. And that's just, you know, hopefully for uh, the second half of the season, then he has more time to come back even stronger next year. So that's not bad. That's realistic, I think. Maybe he comes back in January, February. James Wiseman? Okay. So I've been a huge Wiseman fan since before the 2020 draft, and I still believe in him. And I know he probably has, Vubang and I talked about this, we both agreed that he probably has the most pressure on him than any other Warriors player this yeah. season. But he has such low expectations, to be honest. Like People want him to do great things, but they don't expect him to. And with the extra development he's getting from the new coach they brought over from Serbia, then the reduced role... And and if we're talking about the increased space we're seeing in the preseason with better three-point shooting and better scorers all around, then he should be able to have an impact, right? He should be able to do a little bit more on offense. And just by developing, he should be better on defense. Will he be in his final form? Highly doubtful. But the hopes and dreams would be like him being, oh, yeah, that guy is clearly a number two pick. Reality is like... He is playable, serviceable in spot minutes. He's a net positive and he helps you win games here and there. Like to yeah. me, that's realistic. Yeah. You know, so I think it's important to think about his trajectory and I do think he's, he's a big key and there is pressure on him and clearly they feel that way too. That's why they revamped their whole development staff. Um, but, you know, there was uh, Sam Vecini had the article in The Athletic about um, who who's going to be breakout candidates. And he had a section about Jordan Poole. And, you know, lots of ink has been given to Jordan Poole this preseason, uh, rightfully so, is also like, I mean, he was trash his first year, right? And, yeah. you know, Vecini uh, admitted to thinking he didn't belong in the league. And I think a lot of people are super down on Wiseman because he had an up and down season. But his... Rookie season was way better than Jordan Poole's, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. at least he had flashes. I mean, Jordan Poole had like a, you know, a six game run at the end 
before the shutdown. But, you know, and I don't think it'll be as fast for Wiseman because, you know, typically like a guard will just, you know, just have the ball more. There's less defensive responsibility. So I don't think it'll be to where, you know, year two, Jordan Poole was a solid contributor on a, you know, very fringe playoff team, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. But the level of his contribution by the end of last season, you would take that for Wiseman, you know, it, as a comparable to Jordan. But like, I would take that right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Wiseman is going to be technically in a better position than Poole was coming into the season. I mean, I'm sure Wiseman's coming back from injury and Poole wasn't, but they're going to find ways. He's going to have to earn it, but they're going to want yeah. to find ways to put him in the lineup, right? To put him into a into the rotation because it's like, it's just prove it to us. Whereas Jordan Poole, he came back uh, for his second season and there's all this chatter, all this PR chatter about him being the hardest working guy over the summer, always in the gym once they were able to get in, but they couldn't find space for him in the rotation, right? They, they yeah. couldn't. And we've already talked about how like iffy that rotation was at the guard wing position in the first place. And they couldn't find a spot for him. So I think, you know, Wiseman, I think expectations are attainable, are attainable. I think the bar for him is relatively low, especially after more or less like he's been trashed might be a strong word, but he's been really dogged by people for the past six months, seven, even before he got injured. And unfairly so too. Sure. You know, the, the numbers and the metrics, when he was on the floor, didn't look that great. Uh, but I think that was pre to be expected in a lot of ways, just considering the um, the amount of experience he had, what the their offense demands of that position, like all of those things, it just wasn't a good mix, right? Um, so I'm not surprised that the numbers were that bad. I don't expect them to be that bad this year either. I will say though, uh, back to the earlier part of our conversation when. We're talking about hopes and dreams, how they not only apply to the team, but also to players. And, and, you know, I I do just have like a nagging uh, thing in the back of my mind in that, like, we had lots of hopes and dreams for Kelly Oubre, too, you know? And now it's like, oh, athletic lefty. Uh, uh, (laughs) Do we have hopes and, like, unrealistic hopes and dreams for another (laughs) super athletic lefty? But I will say... Ubre is a different thing because he had been in the league for whatever, six years, right? He yeah. should have been able to grasp NBA concepts yeah. better than James Wiseman. So I, that, that's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to tell myself that this is okay. I don't even put them in the same category, you know, like it, like it's just so different being a 19 year old thrown into this than being uh Kelly Ubre is trying to get a $25 million contract, you know? <laughs> that's a um, correlation i did not and i never want to think about again <laughs> <laughs> it, it's purely the lefty thing I, re- I really think it's the lefty thing yeah but okay so another thing about realistic expectations it's like okay so we have to look and assume that somebody on the warriors is going to get injured and miss mm. a stretch of time because the they're older and Bielitsa, although he doesn't have that much of an injury history, he is 33. He didn't play too many games the last couple of years. Uh, and Otto Porter Jr., huge question mark in terms of his health. So you got to assume that somebody's going to miss some time. The question then is, is there somebody on the roster right now who can pick up any slack for what those guys will eventually be able to do or will be doing for the Warriors at the at some point, right? Because they're both spot-up shooters. Bielitsa has some creativity. He runs like he's 65 years old. <laughs> uh, but he he can shoot it. On on offense, he plays like the, you know, the 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 old dude at, at the Y. <laughs> on offense, he's super crafty and I and I love it. Uh, yeah. the passing is is great. Even yeah. Draymond was commenting on that. But I feel like your question is you're setting it up on a batting tee for me. Uh, because the obvious answer is Damian Lee, all caps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, we have spoken many times about my affinity for Damian Lee, but there's been talk about how good of a camp he's had and how 
I think maybe for the first time, how much they are committing to that he's going to have a rotational spot. So, you know, he's not that point of attack defender, but he does a lot of different things. And, you know, he he can't play what Bielitsa plays, but but he knows the system. He knows the players. He's been in the league now. I think that it, it's a positive sign for me, and not just because I like him, but I think it, it it just shows another depth piece. And and that's also somebody they didn't have in those play-in games and down the stretch, right? Yeah. And um, I really think that just like in the 2019 finals, if we only had Damian Lee, we could have uh, we could have been a lot more competitive. So, yeah, I mean they they could have won, but that's a whole other <laughs> conversation. I think yeah. we may yeah, have go go back had. in the archive and listen. <laughs> to that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I look at Otto Porter Jr. and he he's a damn good shooter. I'm like always oh. impressed. I watched the whole preseason and that that ball comes out of his hands so quickly just hits it from the corner and he just throws it up there and it's in but i do think like you're saying like i think the benefit of having the damian lees and the jtas get a bunch of minutes last year the jordan pools of course different trajectory but he got a bunch of minutes towards the end especially in the playing games the benefit is especially for lee and jta it's like if there's some injuries some extended injuries to auto porter jr there is a guy you could bring up the roster and have him not be too much of a drop-off. In some ways, be a little bit better. I mean, I feel like Damian Lee is more athletic than Otto Porter Jr. He gives up some size, but he could do a little bit more on the defensive end probably. You know, like, so taking all this stuff into consideration and assuming that there's no tragic injury to Steph, I think something realistic would be four to six, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, I would say actually four to five because I look yeah. at some of the other teams. There's question marks with the Lakers, obviously health issues. And Utah, they're good. Um, can they can they stay healthy? I mean, health is always like the thing. Denver, I'll bring up health because Jamal Murray might not even play this year. Mm-hmm. And with the Clippers, Kawhi's out. The Suns. Honestly, like, I think the Warriors are still going to be better than the Suns. You know, it might take some time, but when it all comes down to it, like the Suns have a, they have last year, they have the momentum, but, you know, we'll see what happens by the end of the season. And don't tell me that the Warriors don't have (laughs) their championship pedigree. You know what I mean? Like, you can't say that the Suns have a better one at this point. Yeah. No, I, I like my chances against any of those teams. You know, I don't know that we'd be the favorite, but, you know, you get you get a top four or even a five seed with this with this roster, especially if they're playing well in the second half and, and Clay is integrated well. Like, I don't think any of those teams will want to play us. Yeah, and a truism about this season, and I kind of alluded to this, like, in the offseason, is that, there's no, there's a couple favorite teams, right? Well, the Nets and the Lakers, but I would not say that either of those teams are are runaway. You know what I mean? Like not mm-hmm. like the Dynasty Warriors or the Dynasty Bulls or anything like that. There's a lot of like good solid teams with flaws, with some health and injury issues, with personnel issues, like Ben Simmons and <laughs> Kyrie Irving. You know, but yeah. um, you know, I think as long as you stay healthy and you keep trying to peak if you aim to peak towards april may then i like our chances you know our chances to be in the mix somewhere down the road it's interesting i think the west is pretty volatile in that like i i do think utah will be a good regular season team again uh i think phoenix will be good the lakers who knows how the 2012 all-stars will 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 fare but um <laughs> but uh, uh all of those teams have questions i think the east is pretty interesting in that even without kyrie the nets are still pretty pretty good and the bucks are the champions and i think kind of how the the season following the warriors first championship it was just kind of like they they figured it they figured some things out and they uh, about themselves right and that they could push through the things that were that they held themselves back with you know and so i think i think they're going to really 
have a great season and and really challenge for the Eastern Conference again. And then there's some other teams that are that are really interesting, like you know the Sixers for lots of different reasons, the Hawks and and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, and Miami too. So so I think the East is pretty strong. I mean, you know, every year people are like, oh, the East is better this year, and uh, and you know, how many years has it been where it's not been the case? And and you know, I'm 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 looking forward to actually watching more East Coast basketball. I mean, I've been here for over 15 years, but it's nice to watch East Coast games sometimes. Because <laughs> actually, you know, I was texting you because I I understand you were on a little East Coast swing. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The last I, few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I was on the East Coast for uh, a couple of weeks for a stretch of time. My first trip, my first plane ride uh, in like two years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good. Wait, but was it was it weird to be on a like like? Did you forget things about what airplanes were like? Uh, I, I no, not really. No, okay. but okay. but I, I will admit that I tried not to use the bathroom, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long flight. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm like, oh, the less I go, the less I'm exposed to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, yeah, I I was watching the preseason. It started when I was on the East Coast and I was like, great, I can't wait for this. And then I was like, Oh my God. I mean, I knew that games started at 10 when they started at seven on the West Coast. But like, once you experience it more than once, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> Man. It, it finishes at like one o'clock. And I wanted to do some game podcasts. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, that's the thing. It, it, it's so it's so funny because you know, in the dynasty years, the Warriors were so good, right? I, it would almost be like I actually didn't watch them that much in a weird way, or certainly not as much as I do now, because it'd be like, it'd be like, oh, it's, it's pretty late. Eh, it'll it'll work itself out. And you wake up in the morning, check your phone, and you're like, yes, they won. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like just like I thought, right? Yeah. Um, but now, you know, they're more compelling, as odd as that is to say, right? And because you don't know, and you're just like, oh, I really want to know what happens. But then when they lose, when you, especially like those gut punch games, yeah. you're just like, damn, it's one, and I'm like sad. And I can't <laughs> go to sleep. So. Yeah, exactly. And you feel like so alone. it's because it's super quiet and nobody else cares about the warriors where you are so (laughs) yeah what are you gonna do go on twitter and talk to people like on the west coast or something or or uh, retweet and reply to random strangers i mean i take that back i think a ton of people do that (laughs) oh yeah 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 uh i mean also in the dynasty years after I think after the first couple of years, you know, the 2015-2016 run, I was like, man, I'd get to like July and be like, whoa, what happened in the spring? Like, how come I didn't get any work done? And be like, oh, right. <laughs> you know, like, and why was I in such a bad mood all the time too, you know? Because I was like super exhausted. Uh, yeah, if they lost, you'd just be like so ornery the next day. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, man. But, you know, at least basketball ends at a, at a, you know, consistently approximate time. Even worse is, you know, watching baseball and like the baseball playoffs, yeah. um, you know, which unfortunately just ended for the Giants, but those would just go on forever. Those yeah. were brutal to watch if, if they started on West Coast time. Yeah, yeah, man. But I, I give you uh, respect for watching as many games as you have, <laughs> considering all the, all the circumstances and, and, uh, you know, responsibilities and all that stuff. That's, that's rough, man. I, I was like, I would just be sitting there like in a cold, dark room by myself on my computer <laughs> watching basketball. And it didn't feel, uh, didn't feel like a great time out, but uh. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Cold, dark room, uh, late at night on a computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I didn't get your realistic, predictions for where you think the Warriors would fall. Just just give me a number oh. in the Western Conference. Uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say fourth seed. I think that's pretty real realistic. Yeah. I think it's realistic. Yeah. Uh, a home court advantage in the first round. I think that's uh, what they should be 
aiming for, or I think that's what they will be aiming for, like maybe a month into the season or two months, you know, once they kind of get their feet under them, you know, like a, mm-hmm. uh, a tangible, helpful goal, but it's not like over, overshooting. Yeah. I think, I think that's realistic. I think that's realistic. Let me ask you a question about all this Jordan pool chat. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Jordan pool, the existence of who he is right now in terms of like where he fits in the rotation on the roster serves the need. Do you think he nullifies the need for Bradley Beal? I've long given up on Bradley Beal. Like, I don't think that's happening. I I just don't see ownership getting to the point where they're going to punt on their rookies. I just think that the personality of Joe Lacob is to believe in... He's a venture capitalist, right? So these these players, these young players, are literally startups, right? Right, right. Developed from the ground up. So there's no, I just don't think it's going to happen. And plus, you know, the moves that they've made all seem to indicate that he is very worried about the the costs, right? That are going to get incurred on, on not only somebody like a max player, but even the fifteenth roster spot, right? So, so I I I don't think it's going to happen at all. I, I mean, there may be things that happen. You just never know. the The league does change, and you know things shift could shift and the thinking could shift. Yeah. I guess my question should have been like, because I realized after I asked it, like neither of us want Bradley Beal for what it would take to get him. And we've talked about, yeah, we have extreme biases. Yeah. For months. (laughs) And we love James Wiseman. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess like, do you think it will, I mean, the chatter has already died down, but do you think it'll just, I mean, like for everything that people were saying, oh, we need Bradley Beal for this. It's kind of like, I, I, hey, yeah, Jordan I see Poole, your point. You know, Jordan Poole, it's like if he keeps going at like even a slightly upward trajectory from where he is now, then you don't need like another all-star. You need this guy who plays this role, who's hella young, who's still hella cheap. You know what I mean? Yep. And doesn't cost you everybody else on the roster that's, that's, uh, that's worth anything for the future. It's a, you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. yeah. It's a totally best of, best of all worlds, right? Because he is cheap. He uh, is going to get better. He lengthens your depth as well because it's like, okay, well, before Clay comes back, you don't need Wiggins to, you know, be carry this, you know, second score responsibility, right? He can get pushed down to a little bit more of the third guy, right? Um, and, and it, seems to fit everybody's personality better that way too. So yeah, I think it does to answer your, your, your original question. I think it totally negates the need. If there even was one, which I think there <laughs> was, I think there was, you know, how, are, how are they going to score when Steph is not playing, right? Those 12 minutes he's not playing because everybody talks about it. We all feel it. It's like, what's going to happen in the first six minutes of the second and fourth quarters, right? You're like, Ooh, I don't know how we're going to make it through, you know? Um, But now, now we have the answer for that, right? At least somebody who can help us get through those minutes. Yeah. I remember the beginning of last season when the second unit, it's like, well, Andrew Wiggins is their scorer on the second unit. And he's never, Ben, he's never going to be like the guy. You need somebody to score. He's your guy on the court right now. Your number one option to to maintain the lead or get you back in the game is not going to happen. But again, if he's like the second guy or the third guy, or it's Poole and Clay Thompson on the second unit <laughs> instead, mm-hmm. then then uh, you're actually in business. And plus, just like we were saying earlier, they have other dudes who can catch and shoot and stretch the floor. And Iguodala is going to be part of that second unit. And watching some of the preseason, I've been so uh, relieved and, well, relieved and also surprised in a way that he, like, he doesn't look washed at all. Uh, I think I think he won't play every game and he'll have a pretty low minutes count as he should. but. He does really 
just make things work on the mm-hmm. floor. And, yeah. and, you know, they don't show up in the stats, but yeah, man, they really missed him. Yeah. And yeah. that second unit's going to be so much better than it was. Well, I noticed in the Blazers game, they trotted out second unit of Iguodala, Jordan Poole, and Damian Lee. And that's way better <laughs> than anybody they trotted out in the guard spots last year, you know, yeah. in the uh, second unit. And so that's just reassuring as well. And the game that Iguodala has to play, he doesn't have to do a lot of crazy stuff out there. He can do things that, you know, more or less like reserve him. He, he controls the game, right? Mm-hmm. And with that three-guard lineup that I mentioned, there's no true point guard, but they have three guys who can handle it. And they have two guys in Poole and Iguodala who can, you know, create and mm-hmm. create for others specifically. So I think, you know, if they go without a true second point guard, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, <laughs> um, then it'll be an interesting experiment. And I even forgot to mention before, it's like if Porter goes down for a stretch, hey, hopefully it's later in the season when Moses Moody can handle a few more minutes. You know what I yeah. mean? Like yeah. you got guys you could throw in there. And that's just, you know, fully, fully reassuring. Do you think Jordan Poole, he's the best bench scorer the Warriors have had since the dynasty started, right? The only other people I could think of were like Spates, Barbosa, I guess David Lee. Yeah. I mean, outside of those guys that you mentioned, they were different types of play. They weren't bucket getters, right? right. And, and Kerr has mentioned how this team feels like those early strength in numbers teams right and and it's kind of hard to argue with that right when you have these players who just know what to do right like those teams had that as well so um no it's nice it's nice to have a bucket getter and and we've kind of talked about that over the years too it's like man we we (laughs) we need somebody who can uh create their own shot and who can just get a bucket and and man, he's doing it with style too. Like some of these, <laughs> yeah. fin- these finishes are 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 Steph Steph like, and it really makes you think about. Um, obviously, he's put in so much work, and um, you know, being in the right place for the right personality. I'm sure him seeing how Steph works, and yeah. like these Hall of Famers, like he's got to see that, and it's worn off on him. I know? think they said on one of the broadcasts that he learned from Steph to practice at game speed, to go through his Mm. drills and his workouts at game speed. And that's, you know, paid off because Poole isn't crazy athletic, but he's herky-jerky and he makes his moves quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, He has that in-and-out move, that that in-and-out dribble that he used against the Lakers, he used against the Blazers. I wonder how long it'll keep working. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a hell of a move where he goes in and he actually looks it off and then he just goes the other way. And it's uh, he's, he's going to be fun to watch. And I personally, like I, I've said this many times that I was totally wrong about him. And I don't think, and like you said, a lot of people, I don't think we were wrong about him. I think we were right in the moment, but good on him for actually – uh, not paying lip service to doing the work, but actually doing the work and mm-hmm. making his game, elevating his game to to be what it is now. You know what I mean? Because he didn't yeah. have a good skill, a good NBA skill in his rookie year. Even beginning of last season, uh, the work didn't look like it was paying off. Like his shot wasn't falling. Maybe, I mean, his reps weren't there and he wasn't, you know, getting enough touches, I guess, which is obviously why they sent send him to the G League to get swatted by Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he got drafted as a shooter who couldn't shoot. He shot 21%, I think his rookie year. Yeah. Right. Like, no, so. he was, he was like statistically the worst shooter, but he was put in a really <laughs> poor position and, you know, just to see, you know, what he's looked like in this preseason, the end of last season, I, I think, I think we were talking um, at one point about, Oh, you know, we've talked about, and many other people have talked about, oh, could he be a CJ McCollum or is he a Jordan Clarkson or or even Jamal Crawford, right? And mm-hmm. I think what what's really cool about him and the way he's doing it right now is, you know, I think about something like Clarkson or Crawford, they come in off the bench and they're getting theirs, right? 
Um, but but pool, it's really cool. I mean, you know, it's a good comp to Crawford, I think, because there's the kind of lanky shiftiness, right? And and that's that's cool to watch. But it it comes in a different way than those guys, right? It's it is really coming within a flow of the offense. Sometimes he's coming, you know, off ball into a into a uh, a, a you know he's put himself through that movement into a great position to get get by somebody. It's not just you know pound the ball you know ten times and then get by somebody, right? Uh, yes. he, he has that a little bit of that in his bag too, but. Um, but it's nice to see it, that it's happening within the offense because that means that when he is playing with Steph and Draymond, he can function within that. And then when he's leading second unit, he can also, you know, do the thing where he takes somebody off the dribble, you know? Right, right. I mean, Clarkson, he just seemed like a chucker, right? And yeah. his game has improved, but that's what he comes in to do for the Jazz, like a, a mature, uh, experienced chucker and Jordan Poole he can do both like you said he can create on his own and in the Warriors offense he is learning about like efficiency you know he is learning about shooting when you're supposed to when you're not and uh I mean Clarkson on the Lakers man like yeah it was like okay go get a bucket and then give up like seven you know what I mean NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I want to ask you, do you think the Warriors addressed their biggest flaws from last season? Like, do you think like the holes, right? Like we talk about this roster, obviously saying it's way more complete than last season's roster, which was Alan Smilegage. <laughs> it, it felt Ooh. like there were 12 Alan Smilegages <laughs> over there. Brad Wanamaker. Um, yeah. Um, who I was always surprised was as tall as Steph, but he looked like he was 5'10". But yeah, do you feel like they've addressed their, their big glaring holes from last year? And what, what are their holes now to you? Seeing how they've played in the preseason, they've made a pretty big shift. I think that uh, to the point where, and you know, I've already mentioned how good Andre looks. But when they signed him, I was like, I don't know. I think he's washed. And this might seem like a nostalgia courtesy thing. But um, because I felt I was worried that he was redundant, uh, you know, with all these wings that they had drafted and they had already signed Porter by that point. And, you know, they had Damian Lee. So, you know, I do actually still worry about that a little bit, the redundancy of all these wings that they have. Um, but at the same time, that is the most useful and versatile role in the league. So, um, but I do think that all of those wings has meant that they are a little thin in bigs <laughs> and smalls. So all the times we've talked about the 15th spot is for somebody who's not, wouldn't be 15th in the rotation, right? It, it would be, it would be somebody who is in a, probably a top 10, top 11 rotational role as uh i mean in terms of the people who they brought in as a you know point of attack defender right whether it was going to be bradley or gary Payton the second so that leaves me a little bit worried i think that's a whole i'm worried a little bit about their big man depth i think 
Looney had a great year last year. We both love Wiseman, but maybe he's not ready. And so what do they have beyond that? Bielitsa, eh, he's more of a kind of a matchup stretch big. So uh, yeah, I mean, so they do have holes. And and it is also with that 15th spot, it's like, oh, well, maybe maybe Mark Gasol will want to come back or something like that. <laughs> Those seem like pretty obvious holes to me. And you have to sacrifice something if you're going to have young dudes who aren't going to play, who they have you know, a couple of young dudes who probably won't play very much. And then, and it also happens because they don't have an injured list like they do in baseball, like that roster spot that clay will be out for three months still counts against the roster. It's not, yeah. Like in baseball, you wouldn't, he wouldn't be on the roster until you have to activate him and you could have somebody take that spot. I'm sure that's due to some, you know, differences in players union in their collective bargaining agreement but Mm -hmm. anyway (laughs) i mean i guess we've already kind of talked about how they improved the roster and like the biggest holes last season where they didn't have real nba players in a lot of that's a pretty big hole (laughs) it's like just just it was actually more like not a hole but it was like staff standing on like uh the moon and then just surrounded by empty space (laughs) i think they've done a good job with restrictions in terms of salary cap and people you know not choosing the Warriors minimum for say the Nets or the Lakers or something. Right. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I am concerned and I've said this during preseason, I am concerned about the guard spot on defense, you know, like that lineup of second unit dudes with Iguodala, Jordan Poole and Damian Lee, none of those guys anymore. Well, Iguodala, not anymore, but the other two guys are not defensive stoppers. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, how are you going to, I mean, if you're playing against second units, you know, you might be all right. But in general, like against the the Damian Lillards, the Darren Foxes, yeah, yep. the John Morants, like how are you going to stop them? And hey, right now, by not having either Bradley or Gary Payton II, they're choosing to see what happens, save some money, and then gamble a little bit. I think that will be telling. I'm just really curious to see how that all works out. And yeah, in terms of like the bigs, when they do play the real bigs of the NBA in the regular season, how will that go Mm -hmm. over? I mean, hey, you know, like he didn't look great in Portland, but Marquise Chris is available again. I personally, you know, as much as I love Marquise, I'd rather use the 15th spot on a guard than Marquise because, you know, like I'm hoping Wiseman can at least give you 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. once he comes back, you know? Yeah. Well, just in, in the way that like, you know, there are so many scoring guards that affect the game in so many ways. And, you know, as great as somebody like Jokic is, I mean, Embiid, you're only playing him twice. Um, you know, how many impact bigs are there? I think you'll get by and you wouldn't like, and then you can do something against certain bigs, right? You can cheat on them a little bit, double them. I mean, you, but you wouldn't do that to Jokic anyway, but they don't have anybody who's going to slow down those, those high scoring guards who just affect the game in, in so many ways. So that's, that's a big concern for me. I, I feel like they may, they definitely are doing this to save some money. I think, Maybe it was like uh, the Warriors Reddit account or something um, <laughs> put put out like a, a thing about how if they sign Peyton later, then then they pay way less tax and it wouldn't be a guaranteed deal. So I I feel and I feel like Slater may have mentioned that a little bit as well or or intimated that a little bit as well. So I think it's a no for now, and then that is a roster spot that's going to be in flux. I hope he makes it through waivers. I th- I hope he's there when the Warriors want to sign him. What's your take on Vubang asked me this. What's your take on why Gary Payton II has not stuck in the NBA? Is it just his shooting? I mean, it doesn't look very good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's pretty limited, you know? Like his offense is pretty limited. Yeah, and he's what six two or something like that. Yeah, he's, and and he's, he's not, not a true he, guard, lead guard. No, either. no, he's not. But I think that one preseason game that he played, like this, is a great team for him to play on and yeah. and have a role because of the all the cutting. Um, 
you know, the backdoor stuff that he can do and he gets it. He's been around enough. Yeah. He got those points easy, right? He can finish whereas Avery Bradley got pinned against the backboard on a baseline uh, backdoor cut. Peyton's gonna, not going to have to shoot on this team, right? Like, yeah, you know, if he's wide open, then yeah, he's got to. But, I mean, this is a really good opportunity. That's why I was so bummed when he was hurt. Um, and I and I do hope that they keep him as an option because he fills one of those roles that we just talked about. It's going to be an interesting season, right? Because the Warriors don't start off hole they start off missing two of the rotation guys in theory with Wiseman and Clay like what's your kind of view of like the tempo of the season you know what I mean like because hey like I'm fully ready for them to start slow although they look pretty good there's there's people who are saying like oh I actually think that they're not gonna be that good they're gonna be like seventh or they might miss the playoffs entirely and there's people saying like oh they're the they're my sleeper team to to take the west and stuff you know (laughs) there's a lot of variance but i think that what you saw in preseason i think they're gonna try to start fast they Um, should yeah yeah and and i think they could i think their first games are against the la teams and then and then after that it's like it's not the the schedule is like pretty favorable so i think i think they're they're gonna want to bank as many wins and it and that's smart because you know uh (laughs) these old dudes are healthy now and uh and then you know bank some wins and then you're gonna have to have some transitions later which will probably lead to a few lost games right especially you know integrating wiseman is going to come with mistakes so Mm -hmm. And he and he is and he should play, so that will cost him. So I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna start out fast. And Steph looks great; uh, those vets look great too. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping they come out the gates pretty pretty quickly. I think the veterans, just seeing them in the preseason, it's like wow. It really just shows you how much basketball IQ makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And in the off season, I was ready for them to start slow, and uh, we'll see. I mean, this this week, this first stretch of games with the Lakers and the Clippers, it's going to be really interesting. You know, like I mean, you can't put too much on the first two games of the season, but knowing that they'll want to start off fast, playing against a Lakers team that is also trying to figure its stuff out, there's high variance. Like you said, like could the Lakers all of a sudden just put it all together and then just blow the Warriors out <laughs> on Tuesday? Yeah. Maybe, you know, could the Lakers look old and, you know, play like crap? But you know what I'm saying? Like, they may not have it figured out still. Yeah. Uh, and then the Clippers, they have talent and they have some cohesion at this point, I guess, but they don't have Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. If the Warriors are as good as we hope they could be, they should handle the Clippers, right? Yeah. But. Yeah. If if they lose, I would not be surprised. You know what I mean? But that's what makes uh I don't know, that's what makes it kind of fun. Cause I was expecting them to start slow and then get clay in and again at some point in February or January or something, work him in, and then by the time uh the playoffs roll around, they're the team you don't want to see. You know? Yeah. I mean that's yeah, that's the hope. Real quick, <laughs> there's other teams that I want to watch this year because especially with like the rookies like i just am fascinated by the rookies from the last couple years yeah and i want to see how they pan out and i'm always always watching not necessarily for like the best teams but for the matchups and to see how teams are coming together and all this stuff who out there are you keeping tabs on yeah i i have a few teams and i i think one of the one of the top ones is because they're they're always interesting and we've talked about them before as a team that reminds us of our past is the wolves the timberwolves uh you know their roster is really interesting carl anthony towns is really good uh anthony edwards looks like a star we were hoping so much for them to fail last year yeah now we don't care (laughs) yeah yeah so so yeah maybe they'll put it together i i i think if some things break right then uh even without trades like they could challenge for a a play-in or they could completely fall apart like they've had some drama already so 
Um, I think that's going to be fascinating. And, you know, there, there's the roster and then, and then there's always the, the other issues that, that, um, you know, we know less about, but like ownership changes, uh, front office changes, like the, all of that stuff matters just as much as, you know, oddly to say, it's just as much as the roster does. Oh, definitely. And so that's a, that's a fascinating team to, to, to watch, uh, you know, obviously being here in Toronto, um, you know, 2019 is far in the rearview mirror. I, I, I'm okay again. I'm not going to root for them, but I, I, I'm okay to have a little bit more interest in them, uh, especially as more of that 2019 players like are are not on the roster anymore. Although mm-hmm. a few are, um, and and also like you know, the, Scotty Barnes was somebody that we were super interested in, especially in, in in the beginning of the kind of draft process, and. I think it was fascinating that they took him over Jalen Suggs, which seemed the more obvious fit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm curious to see how that comes together and will they challenge for a play in it, it's all these kind of like young teams that are uh, have a, have a chance to make a little noise or completely, you know, fall off the map. Right. So I have a third one. Okay. That I think I'm surprised, still surprised about. And, this was a team that in the playoffs I was surprised that I kind of liked watching them is the Hawks. I'm interested. I not a Trey young fan, but you can't deny that he is fun to watch. You know, I don't like the foul baiting. I don't like that. And I'm looking forward to seeing that not being called as much. Um, But he was great theater you know and there's a great spectacle and that team is interesting to see will can they make a next step you know sure they got to the eastern conference finals but you know i don't know that anybody puts them in the same class as uh you know the bucks or the nets or even maybe the heat and so can they you know will will they get to that top tier um that's gonna be interesting to me how about you what 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 are some teams that you're looking at well like you i'm interested in in the Timberwolves because I followed them so much last season that I feel like yeah. I know so you know much. their roster pretty well, right? <laughs> yeah, and I was rooting for them to lose so much last year. And when you realize that you don't have any direct investment in that team anymore, you're like, I I pull for Carl Anthony Towns, and it's crazy mm-hmm. to think that a roster with him, with some talent around him, again that we it sucks because a team like that on paper should just make the playoffs, right? Yeah. If you put, you take away the Timberwolves logo and I mean, say you put like a Suns logo on that team instead, you're like, oh, this is a good team. You know what I mean? Because yeah. even D'Angelo Russell seems to be buying in a little bit more. Maybe Patrick Beverly is like, you know, really nudging him to play harder <laughs> and play <laughs> defense and do the little things and whatnot. Or maybe he's feeling pressure for somewhere, but regardless, they have a fun young team, and yeah. I like Jaden McDaniels. I like Nas yep. Reed. Yep. I think they have some good pieces, and that whole talk of them, I mean, I would still trade D'Angelo Russell for Ben Simmons if I were them, but that's a whole other conversation that we're not having. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't care. Um, <laughs> so I'm interested in that. I'm interested also because I will always be tracking Anthony Edwards because of the James Wiseman draft and in another way i'll be watching the hornets because they're just gonna be a fun team and not so much because i'm tracking Lamelo ball but i'm actually watching james booknight another guy that we had wanted for potentially for the warriors and seeing how he's going to be playing i think he'll be coming off the bench most likely uh kelly Oubre's new team of course oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) so i want to see that i'll be keeping the corner of my eye on the Rockets, because I want to see how Jalen Green, the greatest Filipino basketball player of all time, no offense, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, how Jordan he, Clarkson's uh, not happy. Yeah. How, <laughs> yeah. Send me an email. I'm curious to see Jalen Green because there were parts of me throughout the G League last year and just in the offseason where I was like, is he really that good? Is he? Is he mm-hmm. that good? And he, because he still looks small and scrawny to me a little bit out there. And he hasn't been shooting very well percentage-wise in the preseason. So I wonder if, you know, it's also like if you're a bad team, hopefully he doesn't develop 
terrible habits. I'll, I'll be watching them. And um, who else? I'll be kind of watching the Lakers just because of pure curiosity. Mm-hmm. They invite it, right? Like they invite the the headlines because they're either going to be on fire or they're going to be a dumpster fire. And I'm hoping for dumpster fire. Yeah, I but, hope so too. But um, I'm, I'm curious to see how it all comes together because that roster construction, the way it was put together is just so unique. I'm curious to see how, how that goes. I'm also curious. Okay. I'm curious about a few teams. I'm curious about the nets as well, because I want to see how they play without Kyrie. And I'm still a Kevin Durant fan. And I want to see if he can really prove himself as the best player in the league, as some people have finally started to call him. I was going to say this, I was thinking about this, over the weekend, like, do you remember how Shaq used the Godfather analogy? And he said, like, Kobe was Sonny, uh, Dwayne Wade was Michael, and Penny Hardaway was Fredo. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, this was way long ago. This is way long ago when, like, you know, Penny Hardaway, I think he was still playing, had all the injuries, obviously. But um, uh, I don't think he would say that now. But I was like, oh, I wonder if KD would say that. Russ was Sonny, Steph was Michael, and Kyrie was Fredo. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, so those are the I, I, teams I, I'm looking at. Obviously, we're Warriors fans, but we do enjoy NBA in general. So, you know, just as much as, you know, we're hopeful and excited for the Warriors, we have, uh, you know, hopes and dreams for the rest of the league, too. But I would say I want to know, is there a team that you're not interested in watching? Because I have one. Oh man! I mean, you know, like obviously, like you're not, you know, the the bad teams, you know, those are kind of obvious. Like the Thunder, eh? You know, you know, the Magic. It's like, well, I kind of want to see Jalen Suggs, but I'm not that interested in them. I'll be honest. I'm not going to be like running out to watch every team, but I can't think of a team where I would just be like, yeah, there's there's nothing there, right? Like like you said, even the Magic, I would watch Suggs. And and I could always find a matchup. You know, I think maybe the Spurs. Yeah, the Spurs probably not very interesting. But oh, yeah, I would yeah, say the team, the team that I'm kind of like surprised that, um, and and just from the last two years of watching them in the playoffs, the team that I don't actually like watching very much is the Mavericks. I oh um, yeah yeah like I like Luka Doncic is great, but I don't like watching him play either. You know, and he does amazing things, but I just don't like that style. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it changes uh, under Jason Kidd, right? Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I can't imagine how it won't. Um, so, so maybe, so maybe I'll rescind it a little bit. So for that, it'll be interesting to see how they play different at all. But I, I also didn't really enjoy watching him the last few years. Just dribble, 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 dribble. Yeah, I don't enjoy that either because when I looked at the Mavericks roster last season, I was like, how are these guys supposed to be any good? Everybody mm-hmm. was like a random role player, you know? And then I saw how they played that way. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm not a fan of that. That's a team that I am going to be interested in watching, not their games, but watching their headlines as uh, Jason Kidd uh tries to coach Luka Doncic and how the Mavericks fix whatever weird uh, mojo was going on. <laughs> that, that, that could be, that could turn into a dumpster fire, you know, like they could, exactly. they could be, a, they could be a top four seed or total dumpster fire. Like that organization has had issues for a long time. And now that Carlisle's gone, they have a coaching kid that we'll see if he, has changed at all as a coach because if he does the same stuff he did before, probably not going to work, you know, like he had a, you know, important role in Giannis's early career, but, but generally the results were not great. So it's going to be really interesting to see that. Yeah. But I, but I generally just don't actually really like watching them play. Do you have any bold predictions for the season? You go first. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have one. <laughs> the one bold prediction I had written down was like, 
when it's all said and done, James Wiseman will have a better sophomore season than LaMelo Ball. Ooh. I actually don't know how that's feasible considering how much LaMelo Ball is going to have the ball in his hands and how little James Wiseman, relatively speaking, will be on the court. But uh, James Wiseman will have a better season than LiAngelo Ball. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow, that's 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 solid right there. Uh, <laughs> that ends the hot take section of the show. <laughs> what would make the season a success, and what would make it a failure to you? Success. Clay returns healthy, shows us a consistency, and even glimpses of what he might be next year. That would be a huge success. A huge success would be Wiseman shows growth and is integrated into the system. I think those are like, uh, and okay, a third one. Um, and Jordan Poole, he's the bridge to the new generation. And, and he is it now. And and we see a few glimpses of other dudes like Kaminga and Moody here and there. I don't expect them. Yeah. I don't expect much from them, but we see a few glimpses. So, and then, and then, and then results wise. Yeah. I think, I think a, a, a top four seed would it be amazing. Yeah. A top six and staying out of the plan. Um, that would be a huge success winning a playoff round, maybe even two. That would be a huge success. I mean, I think those are, and though I think those are achievable too. Failure. Basically, just none of those things happen and they miss the playoffs. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess the the big one will be it's not working out with Wiseman. Uh, Kaminga doesn't play at all, uh, whether it's in the G League or with the team. And, um, and Clay being a shell will be, it might be less catastrophic if Jordan Poole is still good, as as we've seen at the end of last mm-hmm. year in the preseason, but like that. And, and, and also Steph and Draymond being like, man, what is management doing? Like they, we could have had Avery Bradley <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Right. Like, yeah. uh, I don't think it'll get to that point because they've, they have gotten all these vets, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, you have discord between players, coaching management, mm-hmm. like that can really sour it. For me, success would be Western Conference Finals. (laughs) And failure would be being somehow worse than last season, whether it's record-wise or ending up in the play-in again or just completely falling out. Um, All the stuff with the individual players, I 100% agree with. Like, (laughs) Hopefully, Kaminga can get on the court as well. By the way, like I don't know if you saw Kaminga next to Wiseman, on the bench it's funny right because Kaminga's big right he's like really strong 18 just turned 19 years old but then they stand up to like you know uh to cheer a player to like whatever clap or whatever um it's crazy to still see how big Wiseman is next to him he looks like his little brother next to (laughs) James Wiseman you know it's it's insane. But I also have one more, like, uh, maybe I'll do an episode or we can do an episode about this at some point, just as a topic. With this Spurs analogy, I've always wondered who the analogous pairs are with, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Steph, you got Tim Duncan. I'm like, to me, Clay is like Manu and Draymond is Tony Parker. But I'm like, maybe... Hey, is Jordan Poole not the same player, but like, is Jordan Poole, is he the Kawhi? Is he the one that's going to, you know, like allow these guys to like take a step back eventually, you know? And obviously there's more players involved in like mm-hmm. around that. But like, is he, like you just said, he's like the bridge right now. He might not be the best one out of these young guys. Like in a couple of years, like we've talked about, maybe Kaminga is the best out of all these young dudes, but you know, just, just something I mean, thought about. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing you know, they talked about being a bridge, bridging these generations. And I think the worry has always been like, well, how long is it going to take these guys to get there? Yeah. But Hey, 
Jordan Poole might be the bridge now, and yeah. which would fit their timeline really well and would fit that Spurs model. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be a huge success this year if if that if he really can be that you know keystone piece in that bridge and that in that bridge and those other other young blocks are gonna fall into place later yeah you know? yeah um, yeah i mean if he turns out that's huge if he turns out to be as good as he's been the preseason and he improves even like a little bit as the season goes on i mean that's just like I mean, everybody was saying like, oh, yeah, they're expecting more from him this year. He looked good towards the end of last season after the G League. He showed out in the playing games, especially against the Lakers. He wasn't scared. But if he is actually what he's shown, I mean, that that's kind of relatively game-changing to me. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like, oh, wow. I mean, if you and I can say like, hey, that erases the need for even talking about Bradley Beal at this point, not saying he's better than Beal, but just saying circumstances um, of like what it would take to get Beal. To me, that that's a bit of a game changer. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah, completely agree. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this season. Aren't you? I am. <laughs> My bold prediction will be I'm going to buy a pair of basketball shoes this Ooh. year. The Reebok yeah. pumps, the retro Reebok pumps. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Probably those Kyrie's. Damn it! <laughs> they showed up on my Instagram feed. The Reebok pumps, and I gotta admit, I I clicked through just out of curiosity. <laughs> and then I imagined my wardrobe with those pumps, and I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Peanut or at Oakland Warriors. You can find Aram at Aram Collier. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time. <laughs>